Hello and welcome to Modern Intuition Podcast with your host, Olivia Scott. In this podcast, we talk all things intuition, spirituality, manifestation, and the road to uncovering soul purpose. I will be chatting with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, business owners, and industry experts to hear their road to creating success and how intuition has played into that journey. We uncover practical tools and inspiration to use in our own modern day lives to create our own version of happy, high vibration living in alignment with our true authentic self. If you love today's episode, I would love it if you would share it with a friend, leave me a review or connect with me on Instagram and let me know what you think. Today's episode is brought to you by Eve Health, at home hormone testing. I am personally so passionate about women taking control over their hormones. So how does it work? You can purchase your test online from www.evehealth.com and then you collect a urine sample from the comfort of your own home. After sending your sample to the lab, Eve scientists will analyze your results and a health consultant will put together your report complete with diet, lifestyle and nutritional recommendations based on your unique body. Listeners to this podcast can access an exclusive 15% discount off your Eve test. Just visit www.evehealth.com and enter the code intuition at the checkout. That's I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N. Hey everybody, welcome to my very first episode of Modern Intuition. It feels so good to finally be birthing this into the world. I've been working behind the scenes planning and getting ready and it just feels so good to finally be putting out this first episode. So today's podcast guest is Suniva Holt. She is the most amazing woman. I was so inspired after our interview. She has created a multi-million dollar empire. She started when she was the young age of 19 and she has grown a property portfolio. She's written two number one selling books and is about to release her third book. She's also a mother. She's also a wife. She is also a speaker and the wisdom that she has accumulated and the things that she has gone through in her life are astronomical and she just provides so much wisdom. I was having aha moments throughout the entire episode. I know you guys are going to love this as well. But before we jump in, I just want to share with you, last week I brought out my very first workbook, 55 Journaling Prompts to Creating Your Own Dream Life. This workbook looks at your entire life from you, your truth, your support team and community, your career, your abundance mindset, your intuition and higher self, and your personal growth and subconscious mind. The journaling prompts have been carefully curated, tested and refined to ensure you get to go really deep to access your stored personal wisdom to create space for new energy and release old beliefs that no longer serve you. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're going, 
We all have the limitless potential to tap into the wisdom that resides within us. I have personally found journaling to be one of the most profound tools in creating my own dream life, allowing me to manifest what I really, truly desire. So for all the listeners today, I am offering 20% off this journaling workbook using the code intuition20 at the checkout. So without further ado, introducing you to today's guest, Suniva Holt. So hello, Suniva. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been wanting to do this for ages, so I'm really excited to learn more about you. So for anyone who doesn't know Suniva, Suniva has got a multitude of achievements under her belt. She's written two number one selling books. She's a speaker. She is a coach helping people to create their own dream life and live life on their terms. But you've been featured in NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, Entrepreneur, and so much more across the world. You're also a mother and a wife. Yes. Yes. It's so inspiring. When I think about the first time I you came onto my radar, this was way back, about six or seven years ago, and you had the Instagram account Raw Till Four. Mm, it feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it does. It feels like a long time ago, but you had built this huge community and following mm. based upon the raw food diet. Yeah. And it was so interesting at the time because it was around the time I just started my business, The Raw Kitchen, and you were kind of the only other person around a similar age that was doing anything in that industry yeah and and now look what you've created yeah. incredible do you still um follow that food philosophy no no uh i think doing that for so long it actually put me off being even in the kitchen <laughs> so i love a green smoothie but outside of that i do not like making food <laughs> <laughs> Like done, so done for life. Yeah, pretty much. But no, yeah, that's so funny. I can completely relate. <laughs> Owning a food business does that to you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to take it all the way back, so we can get a really kind of good understanding of who you are. Yeah. So tell me about what were you like as a child? Mm. Well, I was born a rebel. I was always the black sheep <laughs> of the family, and. I think I've always been just been that person that you tell me to zig, I'm going to zag. You tell me I can't do something, I'm going to absolutely find a way to do it. Uh, and I grew up in probably a fairly unique situation. I was one of 10 children and grew up in the Flora Sounds, which is, a lot of people don't know where that is. It's the top of the South Island. Uh, and I, my family was extremely religious and very, very... Um, They were fundamentalist Christians with a huge amount of rules. And being my personality, of course, everything in me wanted to go against all of those rules. Uh, And so for as long as I can remember, all I wanted to do was leave home and have freedom in my life. And I just nagged my parents for a very long time to let me, I was homeschooled because they didn't believe in um, the public school system. And we were in a religious homeschooling program, Uh, but I just was like, I want to go to school. 
I want to do, you know, I want my freedom, I want to be away from all of this. And so I just nagged them for a really long time until they gave in, but they said, okay, you can do it on the condition that you pay for it yourself. And at the time that was a really big deal because I had to pay for all my boarding and uh, it was going to cost around $3,000 and I was 15, uh, going into 16. And I was like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> and so I did. Uh, I did every shitty job under the sun, literally shitty. I, one of the jobs that I uh, did a lot of was sorting sheep shit from wool. Wow. <laughs> and then, in the sharing shed, and then I was babysitting and cleaning uh, lodges and doing all of those kind of things as well until I made that happen. And it was so perfect because it proved to me what I was capable of. At such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that set me up with such a strong foundation for everything else that I went on and achieved in my life. A hundred percent. Being born into that environment meant that with mm. having 10 children as well, you had to really fight for your freedom mm. and your voice and everything. Mm. Do you think that though that environment at 15 of you paving that pathway for yourself is what gave you the tools to set you up for what came next? Yeah, I think it was a really big part of it. Uh, I think it's a real combination of how I came out, <laughs> that I was just born a bit of a fighter and then those things of course like really shape you along the way as well. And so then moving through your, what were you doing in your early 20s? Mm. I did, I made it to school obviously and then I went, I, uh, and then I decided I wanted to go overseas so I worked again, just uh, worked my ass off and I got myself to Canada and spent a year traveling around there and I was, that was when I was 17, 18. Uh, moved back to New Zealand and didn't really know what I wanted to do. But uh, my mum was like, you've got to go study, do something. I ended up doing a journalism degree. Hated it. <laughs> um, moved to Queenstown. Uh, when was it? Uh, moved to Queenstown when I was like 18, going into 19, and I was saving up again because it's like I want to go do some more traveling and I loved it. Um, I thought I would, you know, do a trip around the world, go to Europe, uh, and I was really in that. And then uh, one, just one day, I was walking down the street in Queenstown, walked past a real estate office, and saw a property, and I was like, <laughs> I wanted it <laughs> and there was nothing I didn't know any better to know that like it shouldn't be that easy yeah. you know like I, I was um, I was just like yeah I want that so I went into the office and they all looked at me like what the hell are you doing in here and I said I want to go look at some properties please um, so we did that and I found one that I loved and and I found a way to make it happen. So that was when I was 19 and that was wow. my first foray into property. I was so in love with the whole industry. Uh, it was never about, none of the things that I've ever gone to have been about money. It was just like, this is something that really calls to me. I loved mm -hmm. everything about it. I loved the negotiations. I loved the interior design. I loved the mortgages. I loved the numbers. I loved like dealing with the banks. And I don't know, there was so much in it that lit me up. And so, 
I just went all in on that. Um, I was working like insanely crappy jobs still at that stage uh, and put every cent that I could back into that property. Um, studied that um, back in those days, it was like Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki, you know, the old personal development greats and I just devout everything that I could get my mm-hmm. hands on and uh, and then leveraged that property and went on to buy another one and just kind of continued, you know, it had its ups and downs, it's not absolutely not been a smooth ride, but uh, I've always had a huge love for the game of it. Mm-hmm. And as well, it's created me massive freedom because <clears throat> because I worked so hard at such a young age to make that happen. Um, I was able to almost retire at the age of like 30. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. There, and I'm sure there have been so many lessons along the way as well of, <laughs> yes. of learning the what to do and the what not to do. Because oh, yes. decisions yeah. like that don't come without risk, right? Um, yeah, but that's part of why I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so <Surprise>. good. <laughs> Um, and so yeah. you had a really early interest in personal development, yeah. being 19 or 20, mm-hmm. buying your first house and becoming very interested in Tony yeah. Robbins, like you said, or whoever, whatever was around at the time. Mm. What do you think led to that interest? Uh, hmm. Well, I've always been an avid reader. I started reading when I was three or four, and I read every single book in my parents' house, like, and there were a lot of them. So <laughs> we grew up without TV. And I'm grateful for that because I'm sure if we had one, I would not have been maybe as interested in books. And I still am such an avid reader. And, you know, I was just exploring. I loved soaking up new information. Uh, I think when you find that kind of stuff and you're like, wow, this really lands for me. This this feels like... um, translates to something that can create massive change in my life that you do get a bit of an addiction for it like anything you know awesome just like I'm all in on this I want more and so it definitely started young I mean at least by the age of 19 if not earlier and then I I did kind of have a break for a while um I remember I left Queenstown, I left my fiance at the time, I left my home, my dog, my everything, and I, it was just too small a place to leave a serious relationship that I'd been in for years. Um, and when I moved up to Auckland, I was just like, I just need a break. And I also, I think, kind of jumped backwards in time in that uh, at 25, I hadn't really done any of the, the partying or anything that, you know, people were when they were 19, 20, 21, because I was too busy mm-hmm. paying off mortgages and mm-hmm. working. <laughs> so I did um, have quite a break from it for a little while and just had a lot of fun instead. That's mm-hmm. so important too. Yeah. I think you're so right. When you find personal development when mm-hmm. you're so young, yeah. You do have this because your your young mind soaks it all up, and you actually can apply it to your life really quickly. Mm. Um, you have no other responsibilities, yeah. and you can dive headfirst into it. You see the change, and you yeah. that change does create an addiction. It's not a bad addiction at all. It's a mm. great one, but 
when you do, and I can completely relate to this, you go on that journey quite seriously and intensely mm. for so long, you do kind of come out of it after a while and you're like, yeah. oh, I kind of just need to go in the other direction just for a little while, <laughs> just to remind myself what it feels like again. You know? Yeah, and it's so important because the thing is, right, is like, again, I've been heavily into personal development, I work in it. Um, for the last few years and it got to a point where it's like you you do it's almost you create a reliance outside of yourself and that's so important to check in on and go no I don't need any of this right I have everything that I need mm. and this is just the um, the awesome bonuses but sometimes you've got to take a break from it to remind yourself that you have everything within you a hundred percent I agree with you there is an element to personal development and self-help that can be a little bit of a trap because you feel like you need it in order to feel that fulfillment exactly. um, and you're right we we have everything we need already without it it just helps us become mm. it reminds us who we are brings us back to center uh, gives us the tools and the accountability to stay true to who we are you know mm. so what <laughs> When you think back to that early Seneva in her early 20s, yeah. what advice would you want to give that young Seneva, knowing what you know now? Nothing. I was a total badass. I was killing it. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. Amazing. So yeah. keep going. Yeah. I mean, of course, like, the only thing that has been, you know, in self-reflection, it's really just that... Um, I had a lot of self-belief, right? Like I had a very blinkers-on mentality of I can achieve whatever I want to, but at the same time, I definitely held a lot of insecurities and um, a lot around, you know, because of the religion that I grew up in, we were very much repressed around sexuality and all that kind of thing. Um, and so I didn't have as much confidence in my, myself, had confidence in my ability, but I wasn't in full backing myself. And I think that's just like a thing that almost all teenagers and young people go through. And it's that journey that we're all on. So, you know, I, at the same time, just wouldn't ever change anything. But I think it's so sad that that happens. And I really hope for my daughter that I can bring her up in a different way and have her really truly believing in herself and just maintain the confidence that she has now mm. right through what would you tell that young Seneva just to just to really remember that you are a total badass and when you look in the mirror that you are perfect enough and to know that when you look back in 10 years time or 20 years time that you're just going to look at yourself and go, wow, you were amazing. Mm -hmm. And to really recognize that in you now. To trust that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes part of that journey in the early 20s, I think sometimes is, is learning how to love yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, and it's so, um, I see it so often with my clients and it's so common in those early 20s mm -hmm. of, learning learning how to love yourself mm -hmm. because it's, it, for some reason we do go through a phase where we lose it and we forget and we have to kind of go we have to dig deep and remind ourselves how to go back there 
Yeah. Um, We're not taught it, generally. Maybe things are changing now. I feel like I'm teaching that to my daughter, or she's teaching me. I'm not sure. But you're right, like, I, you know, it's something that is foundational and something that I go through with all my clients and, you know, despite what they think that they want, underneath all of it, it always comes back to that self-love and self-acceptance and that's such a big thing for so many people. Mm. I'm interested to fast forward a little bit now Mm -hmm. around how the the big milestones or the pivotal pivotal turning points that kind of have mapped your path out to getting to where you are now? Mm. Well, I mean, I feel like definitely buying that first property was a really big turning point. Getting married, getting divorced, very, very, like, which ended very badly. Uh, That was a big pivotal point for me. And that was a real point where I discovered a lot about myself and what my boundaries and standards were and what I was a stand for in my life uh, what I would if I was going to be into another relationship what that was going to look like which happened very very quickly and mm, now being with my husband for 10 years mm. and he's everything that I <laughs> so you know got very clear on that at the time and um, and he was like 100% down to the letter that human being which is so beautiful and then the other pivotal points for me were having my daughter because again taught me so much about myself and it makes you look at yourself so intently as a human because you realize while well, they're learning everything from you and what am I what kind of example am I being to her because I don't want her to grow up as fucked up as I did or like to have those those things going on on the other hand like you know maybe we need those hardships to um, to create us in the way we are but it really put the pressure on me to dig a lot deeper Mm. Mm. and then of course like with coaching I mean that's just been a whole journey one turning point for me was, I guess, maybe about five years ago, I was in uh, deep in a mastermind and uh, something came up that really brought up something from my past when I was 19 and I was raped in my home um, when I was hosting a party and I never told anyone that that had happened and I realised that I was really had just been pushing that down my whole life and it was just and I blamed myself for it as well which is really common in those situations and it was crushing me it was eating me up like a cancer inside and I just knew that I had to um, get it out of me in some way and so you know being an extremist (laughs) didn't go and talk to a counsellor, I just went straight on Facebook and told the whole world, um, well, you know, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life, and it was transformative, both for me and for a lot of other people, because there were so many other women, you know, I'm sure you know this, it's like when you share something that's really vulnerable and really difficult for you, that uh, there are so many other people out there that need to hear that and that have probably been really afraid to speak up about it as well. So 
I got hundreds and hundreds of messages and emails from women about that saying that it happened to me too and um, it made me realize how important it is for me to, to share and to speak my truth. Wow and setting such a, an example for other women and so powerful holding space for them to do that. Do you think that was mm-hmm. one of the hardest things that you've had to do? Yes it was uh, but I am in the I am in the practice of doing hard things. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I see that. <laughs> it's almost like your pivotal moments across your life, and you've only mentioned a few of them, but have have asked you to up-level in such big ways, like mm. moments of huge change mm. and having to look at yourself in a new way and in mm. such a big way, such transformation. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So mm. do you think do you think that those moments have allowed you to create what you've created now for other people? Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like it's so important for me to continue to do that, to keep pushing my own boundaries and expanding my edges. Um, because we're the permission slip for people. And it's not about what you say. You can go and do courses all day long. But it's how you're a stand for yourself and it's how you show up in the world and when you do something uh, and you show up in that way, you're just showing other people what's possible for them. Mm-hmm. You're a mirror for them and showing them yeah. what's possible. Creating the business you've created now, what was sort of your mm-hmm. thought process around to getting to that point? <laughs> there is never any thought process. <laughs> <laughs> So everything I do comes from a really strong place of intuition. Uh, I'm so guided by that. I find as soon as we think about things, our brain takes them to safety mode and finds all the reasons why we shouldn't do those things, right? So um, I guess I've just conditioned myself to operating on a on my gut instinct and to always go from that place so with coaching um like i said i'd gotten back into it a few years ago was so all in i just went hairy hard nuts on it (laughs) as we do and um it was just making so much change in my life and it was already having an impact on other people around me just because i was doing so much of that work, uh, talking about it, you know, um, helping friends and family and that kind of thing with it as well. And I just knew that I had to step in Mm. and start doing it as well. We who are at now, with you were just speaking to how you act on your intuition and you Mm. know that if you get that inner gut feeling to do something, you act on it. Yeah. Do you think... Is that something that you have learned to build as a skill? Yeah, absolutely. I think the more that we act on intuition, the stronger it gets. And also just awareness, really noticing. Like so often we're really busy living our lives, but we don't really notice what's going on in our lives, right? Because we're too busy all the time. And so sometimes it's really about slowing down and creating space uh, to be able to hear that and tune in and notice like, oh, that time that I didn't listen, that's what happened, right? Or the proof of when I did listen and everything worked out, even when nothing made sense, because intuition 
almost never makes sense. <laughs> I feel like so frequently it is the not logical or practical decision, right? It, that we can see. Mm-hmm. And that all unfolds over time, but it's when we're led by that, when we're really led by faith and just trusting and surrendering to that process, going, yeah, life happens for me, not to me, mm-hmm. and I know that everything will work out. Mm-hmm. What does intuition feel like for you? Hmm, it feels good. Yeah. It feels scary. <laughs> yeah. And it feels good. So it's my number one question that I ask myself is like, does this feel good? Um, and does this give me shitless? <laughs> Both really good indications that that's where it's coming from. So what do you do for yourself in order to create that space you need for your intuition to come through? Mm, a lot. Um, I do a lot of journaling. I journal every day. That's a practice that I've done. I mean, I've really done it since I was a kid. Different, you know, in a different way. I did a lot of creative writing and uh, just all kinds of writing when I was, when I was a child. And... I mean, now I have more specific process around journaling, which I teach to my clients. Um, a lot of stillness. I, I do love my own space. I'm very introverted. I love people. I love working with people and all of that, but I just love my own space so much. Um, and that's really important to me. So I go for walks pretty much every day without technology. I don't take my phone. <coughs> um, and I do a lot of, I put myself first. I would say that I'm really good at being selfish and that's something that I had to relearn after having a child because it's very typical of moms to feel guilty about everything and put everyone before themselves. <clears throat> and there was a point in my life uh, when Lily was about one that I realized that it was like just killing me <laughs> because I really was. I was putting her first, my husband first, my friends first, my business first, everybody first and I was run ragged uh, and just nothing good comes from that space. You've got nothing to give and so that was the point where I was like, I'm not going to feel guilty anymore. That's it. I'm done and I'm going to do what what's right for me before anything else. Um, and so now I do, I put a lot of, um, I schedule a lot of time in for myself, I go to the movies by myself, I get massages, I get facials, I do whatever really um, fills me up. And when you're in a place where you're giving a lot, you mm. have to give to yourself first because mm. especially when you're coaching clients, if people yeah. are coming to you, you and, and that's your business, you have to be able to hold space for them. And mm. to be able to hold space, strong space that is powerful and is needed for transformation, you need to be coming from a strong, full cup. Absolutely. So what are some of the most important boundaries that you lay down? Mm. I have really good boundaries around my time and my energy. I say no to a lot of things, uh, more and more and more and more and more. <laughs> As time goes on, I'm like, there is more that I get to say no to. Very particular about the um, the people that I give my time to. I get asked a lot uh, for my time, and so now that there is some very clear boundaries around that, um, around my email. You probably noticed when you email me, you get a response saying, I don't reply to my emails. <laughs> More than, you know, 
don't expect a fast reply. Um, and the same with my phone. I actually don't answer my phone. Uh, there's a voicemail on it that says I don't listen to my voice messages. I love that so much. <laughs> I hate to do right. that. It's like you just get to look at what you don't like and then go, no, nah, I'm not a space for that. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if I don't like listening to voice messages, uh, what happens if I just don't? And people get to text me or they can email me if it's important. I love that and when you commit so strongly to yourself the energy that you Mm. create for yourself and that magnetism it Mm. tenfold um, magnifies you and then you are offering space for things that you really do want to come to you exactly Um, that is so cool so I you mentioned technology and I know Mm. that your business does use technology uh, in a way to reach your customers. So how yeah. do you how do you think it helps you? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is your technology hygiene around creating your business online? Mm. Um, I'm just very clear about when I use it. Um, so I pretty much have a um, a curfew on my phone. I don't take it into the bedroom. I turn it off at usually from eight a.m. to sorry eight p.m. to eight a.m. And outside of that, I feel like I'm pretty good with it. You know, it's just making sure that when I'm, I'm being efficient and effective rather than busy, because we get very caught up in being busy and that doesn't mean we're actually getting a lot done. So when you have clear boundaries for things, like right, when I'm with my daughter, I'm actually with her, I'm not like, you know, multitasking, trying to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same when I'm in my work, I'm like, right, this is my space. This is when I, smash it out um, this is where the journaling is also very effective because whenever I get up in the morning I'm very clear on what I want to achieve in my day mm-hmm. and how that's um, how that looks and I find that everything always happens because that's what I believe as well mm. do you find that your journaling practice helps you to manifest things faster or more intentionally absolutely yes do you know what your human design is no, I don't. Oh. I hear it talked about, but I've never actually done it. I'm so curious to know what you are. Yeah. Um, I have to look that up now. <laughs> I've actually got someone coming on to the podcast in a few weeks who is a mm-hmm. human design specialist. Oh, so really? um, awesome. I'll get you guys in touch with each other. Yeah. So, um, how do you manifest? Hmm. Well, obviously the journaling is a big part of it, but it's not so much just writing shit down, it's so important how you write and the words that you're using and the intention behind it, right? Because if, obviously if you're just writing stuff down and you're writing the same thing over and over and it's like really, you know, uh, unintentional, there's just no energy behind it and energy is really what manifestation is all about. Uh, and that also, it's really interesting lately because I find that it's almost evolved into me being able to manifest just by holding the intention in my mind rather than having to actually spend so much focus on it. So I used to spend a lot more time journaling and visualizing and doing all that kind of thing and now I'm like, this is just what's happening. Because you've <laughs> created so much magnetism in your life. Yeah. Where you're yeah. so intentional with who you are and in your truth mm-hmm. that you do you just align, yeah. have the intention and it will mm-hmm. come to you. That's how yeah. it works. Exactly, yeah. 
and intention is so important like I really am so intentional with every single little thing in my life it, and again it comes back to that noticing it's like I walk through my house and I'm just really always noticing it's like is this an alignment does this feel good uh, and I think when you bring that much attention to every little detail that's such a big part of manifestation mm. and when you're so deeply intuitive mm. you do that your awareness expands and you do begin to have a hyper awareness of what you want yeah. and what you don't want mm-hmm. to be there. Absolutely. What's in the alignment and what isn't in alignment. Yeah. So, what does a normal day look like for you? Oh, well, there's no normal day. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be really a lot more structured, and then I was like, I was always up by 5 a.m. or earlier to like spend at least an hour of journaling and manipul- like, um, meditation and all of those practices. And in the last year, that shifted hugely. And that uh, last year was a very uh, a year of expansion. There was a lot going on. It was, you know, everything was growing rapidly. My business was skyrocketing. Um, I was traveling overseas. I traveled overseas twelve times in the last year and the year before. And uh, coming into this year. I was, I knew really clearly that I needed so much spaciousness and with that everything that was part of that old life uh, got to go, even though it was really good, you know, like it was like the great routines and the morning practices and all of those kind of things, um, coming in I was like I just need so much space and everything gets to go from this point mm-hmm. um, so a lot has shifted for me this year and changed and, and creating all of that space uh, and allowing it to stay empty as well that was really important because so often you know you're like oh I've got space and someone asks to do this or this happens and you feel like you're you know you have to say yes but I was like nothing <laughs> and that's been such a beautiful process for me. I'm still so in it, and so even though I'm still achieving a lot of things, I'm still, you know, my business is still expanding, I'm writing a book, I'm about to go to Burning Man, or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing property deals, um, and there is so much spaciousness in my life, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm really focusing on maintaining that. You know, like, I do not need to have my days booked up to feel successful or uh, to have everything mm. that I want to happen. It's like your space becomes sacred mm. and you get to lean into it to choose intuitively what's right and what isn't right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, it's incredible when you actually do allow that space to be there and you only operate from a space of space, you're only inviting the things that you only mm-hmm. really intentionally want to be there and those things are ten times more powerful and exciting to you than mm-hmm. filling your day up with busy things. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And our intuition is stronger in that space. <laughs> exactly. Mm. We hear it more clearly. Yeah, and I found last year when in the busyness, it being really full and it was delicious um, but I found that I was not I mean I was hearing my intuition of course um, but I was also like ignoring it more 
and it cost me a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> and those are always beautiful examples of like reminding us like why we you know get to tune in to that intuitive voice. Uh, but I yeah I invested a lot of money with different things and walked away from almost all of it mm. <laughs> like without even really. Um, going that much into it because I was like no this wasn't right for me and I knew that from the beginning do you know I think as we expand and as we up level we get faced with challenges that are really testing and sometimes can be disguised as intuition Uh, and we go against them but we're always reminded how important it is to actually tune in Mm. sometimes we need those little road bumps I think to remind us to go, um, hey girl, you weren't listening. Like this is why we're important. But I think that, that we need that sometimes, otherwise yeah. we get we stay too far on one side. Yeah. Shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Right? Because like you're like intuition's telling you to do this and go here and then this happens over here and it seems so exciting and so wonderful and you're like, oh <laughs> I want that. <laughs> that thing. Like, you know, you might do have this incredible idea for a business that really lights you up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really, I'm so excited about this, I'm going to quit my job. And then you get offered a massive raise or something. And that's like shiny object syndrome, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's the test to really see if you really want what you say you want. Exactly. If you're willing to go all in on that thing. It's a big test. Mm. And it always happens at that pivotal moment where you're yeah. deciding which way to go. Yeah, yeah, you're an A, you're in or you're yeah. out, and then there's a shiny object that pops in. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a real test for what you want. And mm-hmm. I think when you get to that point, so many times after a while, you go, actually, no, I'm not going to choose the shiny object. I'm actually going to commit to myself this time. Yeah. So now, I know we've spoken a little bit about it earlier on. Uh, what is your food philosophy now? Mm. To eat whatever I want. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I. Um... So I, I experienced eating disorders a lot from a really young age, from the age of seven, and it was always such a big part of my life, like the, just, um, and I feel like having any labels or any food philosophy whatsoever was taking me away from where I needed to be, mm-hmm. and so now that's why I have the zero food philosophy. I know what makes me feel good, and I'll go eat a burger, you know. I literally will just eat whatever I want and I come back to that thing of like food gets to be pleasure and uh, nourishment rather than being this label thing or this really big deal. It has become such a big deal. A hundred years ago you never catch us talking about we're on this diet of the paleo and we're vegan and we're this things over here, right? Because we ate to survive. We ate to nourish ourselves all because it tasted good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like it would serve so many of us to come back to that simplicity. Yes, and listen to our intuition. Exactly. What What is our body really asking for right now? And it might be a burger and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are your personal beliefs around higher wisdom and spirituality? With growing up obviously around um, mm-hmm. specific Christian was it yes and then with your experience with personal development Mm. and um, intuition and manifestation what do you what's your approach Mm. well I mean I have uh, an open mind and interest in all of it and 
uh, I don't get too caught up in it either. You know, I'm always reading and always learning and I'm so open to everything. And it can become one of those other traps, just like personal development. Spirituality is one of those things that we can get really into and then we think we have to wear white clothing and move to Bali and just drink a cow and, you know. <laughs> um, move to the Himalayas and become a moth or, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> live in the cave. Exactly. So, you know, it's all beautiful and perfect and we're going to go, we're going to be attracted to different things at different times. Uh, and right now I'm sort of in a space where I'm stepping out of a lot of that stuff in a way that I'm just, I'm like, I really just don't want to get caught up in the hype of things. Do you have any spiritual practices? I feel like everything I do is a spiritual practice. Mm. (laughs) What's your version of meditation? Mm. So, you know, I'm called to proper meditation at certain times in my life. Uh, And then there's a lot of other times that I don't do it, but I feel like so many things that I do are a form of meditation. So when I walk through the park or on the beach without technology and I'm really present, to me that's meditation. And anything that we're really present in is a form of meditation. You can do the dishes and be in a meditative state, right? It's like it's being really present to what is. Um, so I don't believe that you have to sit and meditate for an hour every day to um, to reach the state that you want. It's just like um, intuition or manifestation, is you can develop that as a way of life. Mm. Do you believe there's a kind of a source energy that we can tap into in meditation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, like that's, I mean, where everything is connected and um, we're tapping to our own energy, which is also connected with the universe and with source and with others, like, you know, that whole inter, interwoven um, thing that we can't see and can't really explain. And, you know, it actually does, actually there's some science that does explain it. It's very fascinating, yeah. right? It's amazing. Quantum physics. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, are your brothers and sisters still... Um, living the way that you were brought up in terms of religion? Not one of them. Not a single one. Really? Yeah. Your parents are? Um, so my father's passed and my mother is not so much. So the the man that was leading the religion that they were involved in for a period of time is actually in jail. Um, and I believe that, I mean, I left, so I'm not really super connected to all of it. Um, and I imagine that's all dispersed completely. Um, I think my mother was still quite involved in fundamentalist Christianity and my father until, you know, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm. And your brothers and sisters, are they on similar paths to you or have they kind of branched into all different <laughs> All over the place, actually. So uh, they're all spread out. They, we've always, we've all been very, we, I think we were raised to all be really independent and to all love traveling. And so they've all gone off and done really amazing things uh, and all incredibly different. Mm. None of us have taken the same path. Wow, that's really mm. amazing. Mm. Taking it back to, I guess, things you've had to yeah. overcome, 
What are some of the biggest things you've had to overcome in order mm-hmm. to level up with your with everything you've gone through with your personal growth and having to show up for your daughter and your clients and everyone what are some of the hardest things you've had to go through well I would say the hardest things because before I got into this business um, everything I was in I could hide behind so when I was in like you know property it's not something you don't have to be on camera you don't have to really like you know to speak to people you don't have to do any of that kind of thing um, and with the food stuff as well, it was the same kind of thing. I wasn't talking about myself or putting pictures up of myself or any of that kind of thing. I could hide. <laughs> I was a food and purchasing manager for a few years and uh, loved it. And again, you know, I did a lot of negotiation, mostly with the phone and stuff, but it, was, uh, it wasn't until I got into this business that I was really confronted by that. Um, like, just terrified me so much to be in front of a camera, um, speak on a stage, all of that kind of thing was was the hardest one of the hardest things. It still can be challenging for me for sure. Being seen and heard. Yeah, again, that comes down to some of it comes back to that whole self love and self acceptance thing, uh, but also it's just something that so many of us battle with that we really like anything if you're terrified of something the only way to do it is to do it <laughs> you okay. just to show up so hmm. that's obviously one technique just showing up and doing it feeling the fear and doing it anyway yeah absolutely knowing that you're always going to be shit at the beginning everybody was shit at the beginning tony robbins talks about you know when he started um speaking he was terrible so he just booked speaking gigs three times a day for for as long as he could, you know, for a very long period of time until he was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and sure. now look at him. Exactly. And so it's the same with all of us. Like we really just have to keep showing up and doing it. None of us are great from the beginning. Mm. Are there any other tools you have that have helped you to overcome or continue to help you overcome that fear of being seen and heard? I think it's such a common one I experience it and I know a lot of the listeners yeah. will experience it too yeah well, just to recognize how much growth there is in it for us for um, before I did a few of my speaking gigs I went to a speech coach and that was great because it was just a few little techniques that really helped like one in particular uh, that was like ah, that helps so much makes so much sense to me what she was saying like the reason that when we're standing up in front of people um, and all their eyes are up on us and it, it's so terrifying is because our primal brain, um, to our primal brain, that means we're going to get eaten. Mm. Because in caveman days, having eyes on you, that's what it meant, right? Um, so it's like, ah, oh, okay, that makes so much sense. And now when I go out, like, I can, um, I can, like, remember that and go, well, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> their eyes are not going to eat me <laughs> yeah and I've done it even on live streams and things like that so it's so terrifying for me is to just tell myself like you're not going to die you're not going to die <laughs> what's what's what, the worst what's the worst mm. yeah so and I, I completely agree with mm. um just doing it because six months ago I couldn't mm. 
bare the thought of even doing an Instagram video of yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. I thought that's good for other people, they can do it. Um, yeah. But I, it's not for me. I, and then I realised that wasn't the case. It was that I was so afraid of being seen. Mm-hmm. And now, I'm so scared the first few times, now I'm fine with doing it. But yeah. it took a lot of, you can do this, be afraid, yes. feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway. Now it just seems like no big deal. But it's yeah. just practice. Yeah, and it's so good to keep seeking out those things because there's always, like, new levels, new devils, right? And there's always going to be something that scares us. And so go when that happens, it's like, right, that's where I've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do now when you find yourself in a rut? What are your self-care tools or what do you say to yourself when you're in a rut? What am I not facing up to? Uh, what is it that I need in this space? It's where I believe that asking ourselves powerful questions changes everything. It's the questions you ask, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So what are you currently working on within yourself? Mm. Looking at what's that next level for me. Where am I wanting to go? Because I've had all the spaciousness and... Uh, and now I've reached a point where I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm sort of coming out the other side whilst wanting to really maintain a lot of that space. Um, but I know that there is somewhere I'm to go from here. And it's not fully clear, it, it never really is, but I'm just feeling into what is that one stepping stone for me from this point. Mm, do you know what that looks like? Not specifically. I know that I'm going to do a lot more public speaking and that's still something that I get to play with and really master. Mm. Um, So I will be definitely doing more of that, but I feel like there's something else and I'm not clear on what that is right at this point. Mm. You sound like a non-specific manifester, which is when you can feel the energy of what you want to create, but you Mm. can't quite specifically see it and that's the way you manifest is feeling into that energy and the energy manifests around you yeah because the thing is like I'm not very much into I'm gonna make a million dollars and do all this like I've done all that and it's great like I achieved a lot and now I'm at a point where I'm like yeah I achieved all that and it's great and it doesn't mean anything and really for me from this point it's always just going what feels good, not needing to have a tenure plan or to have this massive vision or take over the world. Mm. And that's such a powerful place to be because I think for so many people, their goals are financial and they say, I need to make a million dollars and then mm. I'll be good or then I'll be happy or mm. financial success comes first. Yeah. But you're able to speak from a place of, yeah, that's great, but it's not actually the goal and it's not... Um, there's so much more to life than that, than having that as your sole purpose. Well, it is, and it's easy for me to say because I've already done it. So, you know, in my 20s, I was much more materialistically um, oriented, and I mean, I built a multi million dollar property portfolio, and I make plenty of money, and I feel like from that space, it's like I've got so much freedom, so now I can come from a place of like, you know, well, no, actually, that's not true, because I've always just done what I want. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I know that it's not about the money. The money, um, it's about what the money means to us. And if we don't have a purpose for it, 
what's the point? It's just a number in your bank account. The money means freedom and choices, and I want more money for everybody. It's so important because we all get to have more freedom and more choices, and it's the people with money that can create so much change in the world, and so we should all want to have that. I really believe that. But at the same time, um, I know that it really doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm. Mm. That's really beautiful. So what advice would you give to someone who have got things they want to do but can't start or are afraid to take that leap? There is no growth in a comfort zone. Uh, and you've really got to lean in. And if you can't jump straight in, find some way to do it in a smaller way. Find ways to break through your small fears and that will give you more confidence to do it in the bigger ways in your life. So take the first step. Always. <laughs> One foot. Because so often we get overwhelmed with looking at this big picture or this big vision and going, oh, well, I can't do that or it feels so far away or, it, you know, it's like, you know, saying you want a million dollars when you're making 50 grand a year. Mm-hmm can't connect to that right what's the next step like my next step from if you're making 50 grand you'd be like right well 100 grand or 80 grand would be my next step you get there and then you look for what's next and what's next and what's next right it's like one foot in front of the other and don't try and look beyond that so you have your big vision but then really pull that in to just the one next thing Do you have any resources or tools that you would recommend to someone to start? Yes, my books, because they are short and effective and have some really good tools for helping people take those next steps. Amazing, and I'll link that in the show notes for everyone wanting to purchase those. Are you able to speak about your book coming out? Yeah, so it's called The Queen's Guide to Having It All, and because I really do believe that we... We absolutely get to have it all, and it looks different for everybody. Uh, and that is coming out in about two months' time. So I am aiming for late October. Oh, mm. amazing. That's so exciting. And congratulations. Thank you. I'm sure it'll be another bestseller. Um, so parting advice, what is the best advice you have ever been given and that you want to share with everyone? Mm. Oh, well, it's not advice that I was given, but... Something that had a really big impact on me is uh, I had the book The Power of Now a few years ago and I read the first few pages and was just like, I'm done. It's all, like, it just landed for me and I was pulled, you know, at that point I lived always so much in the future and I was always, you know, like we were talking about earlier in this, um, where you you're always looking for the goal and you're not happy and content with where you are. And that shifted everything for me. And I think it's why I just don't care about the 10 year vision or anything, because now I'm like, I'm so happy uh, with being here right now. And this is the only moment and I love it, Mm. right? And so that changed my life. I never touched the book after that. I didn't need to. Um, I got what I needed and uh, so much shifted. Mm, amazing. Mm. I will link that book in the show notes as well. Ikat Tolle, hey? Thank you so much, Seneva. So much beautiful wisdom and mm. 
empowering words um, that you've shared today. So thank you so much for sharing and for your time. Mm, thank you for having me on and asking such great questions. <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. So good to have finally chat. Yes. <laughs>